You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on sight. Discussions of an adult nature, adult language, and spoilers for the films discussed are most likely. Still on board? Come on in. Enjoy your stay. They must be destroyed on sight! continuing our sex comedy series they must be destroyed on site episode 121 and i am your host lee i'm not a nudie i'm a writer russell and i'm joined by my co-host daniel there's a lot more to people than sex glands harper how are you doing sir i'm doing quite well there there are more to people than sex glands although not not as much as you might think and i like to think i'm both a nudie and a writer at least you know, <laughs> whenever i'm writing i'm generally in the nude um, all right and podcasting as well. Everyone, everyone listening to this should be aware we are yeah. almost always podcasting completely in the buff. I figured with, uh, with the bowling balls appropriately placed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I figured the people out there knew we like to podcast comfort comfortably, comfortably, comfortably. Com- I've been com- drinking com- already, yeah. so yeah. Well, you know, you're ahead of me then. So yeah. So uh, and. um just because our dicks are so massive and strong, we can lift bowling balls with them. It just happens to be a fact. Yeah, no, it's it's a thing. I mean, yeah. that, can't everyone? I wasn't aware that there was even a, a question about that. There's some there's some beta males out there that can't do it. <laughs> I, I, I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. I've heard tell. I've heard stories of uh, you know those tiny weaklings. I've I've read all about it on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> you see a lot of things on Twitter these days. Yeah, a lot of crazy shit. But yeah, we're continuing our sex comedy series, and um, I like this theme that we're going for with where we have like one quote unquote old movie and one quote unquote uh, new movie. Uh, for us, a newer movie is of like course the, the new movie is thirty five years old. Yes, but yeah, <laughs> but but I like that. So I think that's a trend we're going to continue for actually pretty much the in, the entire series. I think yeah, if, sounds if we good. Can hold it up, they'll be good. But uh, we're going to be looking at the Swinger from nineteen sixty six. And uh, this is another little continuation of our uh, Anne Margaret obsession, so uh, that'll be fun. And yeah. definitely, not to spoil anything, put some fuel on the Anne Margaret fire, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we're going to be looking at a legit Canadian classic, Screwballs from 1983, and we'll we'll get more into that when we get into the background and all that stuff. But yeah, so we don't we don't have any uh, comments because uh, I was negligent in my duties to uh, actually request comments this week so uh, i actually did try i i told daniel offline i i forgot to ask i actually did try but facebook was fucking up on me today it wouldn't let me post comments in the official facebook page for they must be destroyed on site on facebook the single best way to get in touch with us when facebook's actually working apparently so um i'm blaming i'm blaming russian bots for this probably russian probably bots want us to get comments on this episode so if you're listening to this episode and you would like to comment about the films, you can do so in our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And then we will read those on, well, we're not going to do these films again, but 
maybe we'll just cover them next week. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll just cover the comments next week if anyone uh, so happens to have anything to say about these two films. But yeah, so uh, no comments, and we both have nothing we really want to talk about that we've watched lately. We were we were kind of mulling around in our heads. Do we really want to talk about any movies we watched? Uh, I mean, I could talk about Avengers Affinity War, but I really don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike Murphy is no longer podcasting, so I don't know if he's still listening to podcasts, but I mean, we could talk about Avengers Infinity War. I mean, we've both seen it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, eh. it ends on a cliffhanger. It's fine. It's, you know, it's a thing. Yeah. Like, I liked it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. But, yeah, yeah. I, I I liked it. There's there's my review. Go watch it. Yeah, like fuck off. Like, like the four people who are listening to this. Well, I mean, you know, four people don't listen to this show, but you know, mm. the four people who have not gone to see the Avengers, the new Avengers film, who might hypothetically go see it. The eighty plus people who haven't uh, yet scrubbed us out of their uh, iTunes subscriptions, <laughs> it, it just keeps <laughs> downloading it to their feed, into their uh, iTunes every every week. And yeah. like, what the fuck is this again? Yeah, and then they just delete it without listening. Yeah. Done. That's it. We will take a very quick break. We'll play some promos for some podcasts. We'll play a little bit of music, and we'll come back and start talking about the films. You ungodly warlock. Bad movies. The world is full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable and only two men are willing to watch them all so climb in and take your seat this is short bus cinema let's do it hey everyone this is johnny krug from kruger nation and this is rick morgan from the helming power hour well, we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo! Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. Howdy, folks. Got blood, violence, freaks of nature. You've come to the right place. My name is Gary, and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet. All right, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, Take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. You 
you ungodly warlock. Hey, Selena. The swinger knows the way it's happening and where the actions are going to be. Well, and if there is a good thing, she. The swinger finds it naturally. Actual evidence tends to show the swinger was a one and then a go, go, go. So leave your old routine and make the scene. Baby, come and swing with me. The swinger only lives the good life. Circumstance tends to say The swinger was a one and then a yeah, yeah, yeah If I can be your best, I'll do the rest Baby, let me swing with you Come on along, let's put the world on Come on along, let's make it move Come on along, baby, get with it Forget that old conventional group You're gonna see the way it's happening The Swinger from 1966. That's it. That is it. That's what? That's Gorillor. And so is that. And that. And that. Sex, flesh, hanky-panky. That's what they want. You know, like those lured paperbacks on the newsstand. Paperbacks. I got it, Sammy. I got it. I know how to get published. They want sex, they'll get it. I'll take the best of the paperbacks. No, I mean the worst. Hi, Kelly, where have you been? Shopping. Hey, looks like you're going to do some reading, hey? <laughs> Writing. Directed by George Sidney. Well, we're going to talk about George Sidney here uh, a little bit because uh, this man had some... Uh, <laughs> he, he, he had some interests. Uh, we'll, we'll put it that way. Um, it and, sounds like you did more research than I did. I'm excited. He's probably best known for uh, doing Bye Bye Birdie, and uh, he also did a film we're going to be covering later on in the series, Viva Las Vegas, written by Lawrence Roman, starring the lovely Anne Margaret as Kelly Olson, Anthony Francesca, or Franciosa, I, I want to say Francesca for some fucking reason, Franciosa, Tony Franciosa as Rick Colby, who we actually uh, covered 
at least Paul and I did a while back in Tenebrae, Tenebra, whichever way you want to oh, pronounce yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually surprised me. I, I totally forgot he was in that. Was, he looked so different it, by the time he hit the 80s. He was he was a lot older. But um, Who was he in that? He was the main character in, in, in oh, okay. Tenebrae. Yeah, the, I have the very, I, apparently, I have very little memory of Tenebrae, so, you know. Hmm. It tells you. you... <laughs> I think I watched like four movies the day I watched that one, so it makes sense. Yeah, Robert Coote as Sir Herbert Charles, Yvonne Romain as Karen Charles, and Horace McMahon as Detective Sergeant Hooker. And I didn't bother to uh, list anybody else because actually copying actors and roles, cut and paste from fucking IMDb these days, is super fucking hard uh, because you have to delete half the shit because their pictures actually have their names on like connected to them so if you when you when you paste it in text you get their names like twice so i just i this is what i grabbed from fucking wikipedia so the synopsis for this is goody goody girl journalist kelly olson and margaret olson uh poses as swinger to impress the horny stud editor of girl or men's magazine tony franciosa to get him to publish her stream her steaming sex streaming sex story that'd be a bit different a steaming sex story instead of her posing as his next nude centerfold she spends the rest of the movie convincing the girl lore staff that she is the girl in the story she has written about and uh, yeah that fairly sums up this movie that really has no fucking plot at all but i <laughs> i don't think you're allowed to make that criticism in a in an episode where we're also going to discuss screwballs I'm not criticizing. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm saying that this movie having no plot is actually a positive. So, oh, yeah, no. uh, Daniel, when's the first time you watched this, and what are your sort of your, your initial impressions of this? I had uh, kind of discovered this when we did the last uh, Anne Margaret stuff. I mean, I just kind of was looking at other stuff she had done that we might want to do, and I found this on Rarelust and had downloaded it with the intention of doing it, but like kind of didn't watch it i mean i just kind of checked the file to make sure it worked and then you know just kind of moved on but it looks like colorful and bright and fun and i went like yeah that'll be a film that we'll have a lot of fun covering at some point and holy jesus is this film a lot of fun yeah i especially like the first 30 minutes of this i could not wipe the grin off my face and Mm -hmm. it is it is so kinetic it is so constantly moving there are some sequences in this that are some of the best directed sequences I've seen in a film ever. At least one sequence in this film, which I think we'll discuss here uh, shortly. Once you kind of do get into the plot, which is kind of this romantic comedy plot, it's a fairly generic romantic comedy plot, but it's well acted. And Margaret is fucking amazing in it. It's got some uh, really interesting kind of stuff going on. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's just a big ball of fluff. And Anne Margaret looks great in it. Um, everybody's amazing, and uh, it's got a kind of weird metatextual thing going on. I mean, it is it is kind of examining kind of the, the structure of the film. I mean, you got to keep in mind this is the '60s, and uh, Godard was kind of you know kind of new on the scene, starting in you know '59, '60. Right. And uh, I hate kind of going French New Wave with this, but I think there <laughs> is a French New Wave influence here. I think there's a very deliberate French New Wave influence. I would definitely say there's uh, at least. Uh, European, if not British centric sort of influence on this yeah. in, in a big way. Instantly watching the way this sort of played out, it reminded me of actually the Beatles uh, mm-hmm. movies. 
Sure. Uh, just, just the way it's it's done. Like this this movie. We're only we're only like two years out from Hard Day's Night at this point. So yeah. yeah th- this movie makes it. It feels like kind of like a. It, it's trying really hard to be everything. Like it, it's kind of an encapsulation of those sort of '60s movies with like you've got like the sped up action in scenes. Mm-hmm. You got jump cuts. You got musical montages, montages that feature still photographs. Um, <laughs> yep. You have Dutch tilts, you have zooms, comical sound effects, you have just you have, all kinds uh, of shit going on. Like, they're trying yeah. everything in this film. Yeah, you've got, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, no, it's kind of everything with the kitchen sink, stylistically. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's all over the place. But it all uh, hangs together really well. It doesn't, it never feels uh, disjointed. I mean, it's got, like, extended musical sequences that are, you know, mm-hmm. where Anne-Margaret has a couple of songs in the film. And I mean, there's at one point where, I mean, she's just lying on a bed and like starts singing and suddenly we're in the middle of a musical sequence. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> and just to uh, full disclosure, I wasn't listening to her singing while I was watching that. But it, it is a lovely song, but yeah, no, and Margaret uh, makes this film. It is, mm-hmm. she is there. She is front and center the entire film. This film makes no bones about her not being amazing. And she is the reason that this film works as well as it does. I mean, the direction is great. The, you know, the other performers are fine. Uh, there's some really nice comedy in it. There's some, actually some pretty heartfelt moments here and there as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, really, this is uh, Anne Margaret's movie. This is, this is why this movie is, is made. The reason you want to see this movie is to watch Anne Margaret be fucking amazing. Yeah, she's fucking amazing in this. The movie, the, the reason this movie was made was because the director thought mm-hmm. Anne Margaret was amazing and he wanted to put her on screen in as much tight clothing as possible and, and have her dance. Oh, he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, George Sidney, apparently I mentioned Bye Bye Birdie and Viva Las mm-hmm. Vegas. Those were the two previous films that had Anne Margaret in them that he directed. Mm-hmm. And apparently he became a little obsessed with Anne Margaret. Now I, I didn't hear any salacious or i didn't find any research saying there was any salacious wrongdoings or anything yeah. like that but you sort of get the opinion that maybe george sydney was a little bit like robert coots uh sir Her- herbert charles character in, in this film well, you, you've got to keep in mind i mean yeah he coots is definitely a character who is portrayed as being both kind of the foreigner Mm-hmm. And uh, the viewpoint character of the film. I mean, he's he's yeah. you know kind of put it that way, and there's a definite sense of yeah, I could see uh, there. There's this is a little bit kind of through the lens of the director who fell in love with the star. Yeah, and um, certainly portions of this film look like they were uh, kind of shot and designed to be on the the sort of the private reel of George Sidney. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder exactly how many takes he took of um, you know, a couple of particular sequences. But Oh, just uh, about every sequence, really. I mean, yeah. goddamn what what sequence in this film is Anne Margaret not being overtly sexy and just the camera is just gazing at her every inch my god the, the fucking visual feast like if, if you do not fall in love with Anne margaret after watching this movie then you probably have no soul you're you're or you know whatever you're not yeah. attracted to her but, yeah. but i mean fuck. i think i think you don't even have to be like attracted i mean she is so fetching and so mm-hmm. you know charming and just effortlessly just waltzes through this thing like i don't even care that it's a pretty generic little romantic comedy plot i mean honestly i thought the romance was going to be bigger like kind of based on the descriptions i thought like there was going to be more of a 
kind of push and pull on the romance, but really right. we don't spend a lot of time on that. We spend most of our time kind of, you know, setting up like sort of the career stuff and setting up the, the, what is it? Girl, girl tea, no girl, 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 magazine, which is, <laughs> it's like, wow. Well, I love that she's like, if I can't publish my stories here in Girler, I'm just going to go to Playboy and Esquire. <laughs> yeah, and she probably would have done a lot better in Playboy and Esquire, honestly. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know, that era, that era too, you know, Playboy was definitely, they were publishing, you know, some pretty hard-hitting pieces. Although apparently, like, her writing is just really boring. It's just kind of goody-two-shoes kind of writing. But, mm-hmm. man, does she does she uh, fall right into the, uh, the world there once she's... Uh, you know, it's funny, like, there's no drugs in this film. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's nothing that get all seedy. I mean, this is, for being as, like, sexual as it is, and as kind of sexualized as the as the camera, like, spends so much time on Anne Margaret, it's also very kind of chaste and uh, kind of PG-13, you know, yeah, sort of, well, sort well, of tone. Like, it really doesn't reach for anything particularly dark, even in terms of kind of thematic material. There is some kind of sexual assaulty stuff, particularly towards the middle, but uh, that turns out to be more kind of like Pepe Le Pew style. And uh, uh, yeah, a, a lot of it, a lot of it is sort of centered around Robert Cute's character as mm-hmm. Sir Robert Charles, and he is just straight out of this sort of period British comedy uh, character. Especially Benny Hill. I yeah, mean, he's, Benny- chasing, he's literally chasing women around a desk. You know, I mean, yeah, they, they, and. and joke around about like you know oh and you want to be chased around the desk now do you you know there's a running gag of his secretary like oh no he's buzzing me to come into his room again and he's got the red light above his door where it's it's basically a signal stay out i'm chasing the secretary around the fucking desk and apparently it gets more aggressive the further on in his romance quote unquote he gets (laughs) in this process he's got like a little button and a bed comes out and then suddenly the, the like the thing goes crazy it goes haywire it's uh and everybody in the office, they know the boss yeah. is getting laid. But it well, and here's the thing. I mean, this this character is kind of a classic standard British comedy character. It's basically mm-hmm. the the old sort of conservative man who is yet incredibly attracted to women and 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 just wants to jump every piece of female flesh he sees go by. Uh, the the foppish pervert. But at the same time, he he always just tires himself out chasing the woman around. And, it's, you know, it's a thinly veiled hint at uh, being impotent. It's interesting. At one point, he's actually doing this routine with Anne Margaret where he's chasing her around the, the office. And then he reveals that I'm actually just sort of playing up this character. And he, because he he kind of reveals just like Anne Margaret is is a phony in this where she's not really this nymphomaniac sex kitten who's having all these swinger parties and stuff. He's like, don't you tell anybody. I'm actually I'm actually not very good with women at all, and this is just a character I play up. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah, no kidding. You're well, not very yeah, good. No with shit. Women. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know. Don't worry, sir. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really like that moment. It's really it does humanize the characters a lot more, and it really kind of gives us that just that boost in terms of like giving it just a little bit of depth, a little bit of nuance uh, that it would otherwise lack. Yeah, no, I I mean, I just I this is just so much fun. I just loved watching this. I mean, start to finish there is a uh <laughs> so she lives in this like i guess apartment house like this this kind Something of like you know that. kind like of some sort of studio apartment house thingy yeah, it looks like it looks like a sort of like a one of those big mansions that's just been converted to uh apartments mm-hmm. um 
and it does kind of feel like kind of a youth commune, but apparently one of the cops on the vice squad who's in his fifties is living there. Isn't that and, weird? He's, he's like the, he's the nicest cop from the LA police department you could ever hope for. <laughs> he's like, I'm on the vice squad and I'm hanging out with, you know, 22 year olds in 1966. And I guarantee you these, and these are artistic kids too. Like yeah. these are, these kids going to protest. I love the, there's a line where it's like, Oh, what are you going to protest? And it's like, I don't know. We'll think of something. And it's like Vietnam is already happening. But, yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I, I want to get. I actually want to get back to that because, as much as it kind of tries to pretend that it's, you know, talking about more progressive sexuality, where where it's it's sort of it's sort of oh, you know, sexual revolution, young kids and stuff. It's actually satirizing that stuff. It's actually very kind of old fashioned and, like you said, sort of yep. PG PG thirteen ish. And it's in the yeah, way it's, 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 it's all this stuff. It's it's very. Um, I mean, and this this is actually a pattern that you see in a lot of these kinds of things is that it wants to have the the quality of being risque it wants to kind of you know to pretend it's doing the thing but then ultimately the message it sends is not like that at all it's really about like well really Anne margaret is kind of chaste and virginal and so it's okay for us to be on her side basically if she were actually the swinger then she'd be a slut and then nobody you know would want to yeah that's that's the weird message. It's like, uh, but if you look at like the forty-year-old virgin, it's basically it's the same. Yeah, narrative, right. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, it's supposed to be like the story of this guy who is a virgin but wants to have sex. And the 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 film is buried in like, sexual references, you know, and then mm-hmm. all kinds of you know perverted kind of content. But then really, like the message it gives you at the end is, but yeah, I waited for you because even though I'm forty, it's better to wait. And this is not the message that the rest of the film is sending in the slightest, you know? Yeah, it's it's not in favor so much of, like, it feels like it's not in favor of the sexual revolution or, or any, those sort of modern, like, hey, women are people too. Oh yeah, no, it definitely, even though, I mean, even though it, it is, I mean, Anne Margaret is our lead here. There's mm-hmm. no question that Anne Margaret is our lead and she is a person with the agency in the film. She's a person kind of making things happen in the film, but it does have this very kind of regressive attitude towards, yeah. you know, exactly about, about the sexual revolution. It's very ambivalent about that. And, and I think you do get a sense that she's kind of having fun in places like kind of playing this role but it's definitely a role she's playing like she's gonna go be a housewife after this basically or at least she's gonna go and be kind of you know lowercase c conservative you know she's not gonna embrace this world and there is there is no it almost portrays the world as something that's only in magazines it's only in these dirty books right Mm -hmm. you never get a sense they they kind of put on this fake orgy which is a scene we're definitely gonna have to talk about right (laughs) They put on this fake orgy and it's this, um, I mean, clearly they know how to put on a show, these kids. I mean, I kind of get the sense that this is basically a theater trip. Yeah, something like that. There is a sense that this is this kind of like youth commune or something, which is very kind of proto-hippie. I mean, it's funny that this film, I mean, it's made in 66, but it couldn't have been made any other time because if it was, you know, a couple of years earlier, then it couldn't be even as risque as it is. And if it was any later, then it feels very dated. Smacking, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 just a like of that very particular cultural moment, and that's the mm-hmm. only time it could possibly have existed. I will tell you that watching these kind, the more of these kind of mid sixties films I see, the more I want to like grote Austin Powers with a piano. Oh man, this Austin Powers steals so much from this film. Well, like, not only does it steal, but it does it badly. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. It does it in the like, oh, isn't this goofy and stupid? And like, no, this is amazing and I hate 
all, everybody involved with making Austin Powers. It's it's the difference between like filet mignon and a, just a big slab of raw hamburger from like the <laughs> grade Z meat or something. Like in comparison, it's so Austin Powers is just so pale in comparison to this shit. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it, it really is the sort of thing I just. Just, it just even just watching the opening credit sequence, and it's like, yeah, Austin Powers was ripping this off. That's exactly mm-hmm. what Austin Powers was doing. They don't make any secret of that, but at the same time, so many people have only seen, you know, I guess now, I mean, even that's you know old enough that maybe people haven't seen a whole lot of it. I mean, right. Austin Powers is more than twenty years old at this point. Jeez. Um, ninety six, man. <laughs> yeah, holy fuck. Uh, no, it's anyway. Uh, we should talk about a couple of these sequences, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, let's start. Let's start with the orgy. <laughs> yeah, uh, the paintbrush sequence. Yeah, that's a pretty astonishing little uh, because they're, literally they're taking Anne Margaret and they cover her in paint and then rub her over a canvas, and it's yeah. a dance sequence. When when she's not dancing over the canvas, she's being like carried and rubbed across it. And, being, I mean, she's basically yeah. being dragged across it by you know these kind of two big burly guys, and it's fetishy and sexy, mm-hmm. and I mean, really pretty intense. I mean, this is when you when you kind of Google this film, or you, you know, there's a video that comes up on YouTube immediately. Like if you put the Swinger 1966 in, it's paint dance and Margaret, you know, yeah. So like that's the thing that I guess if this film is remembered for anything it's this paint dance and so i knew this was coming but this was not even the sequence that amazed me the most but this is an amazing little sequence also we have our our uh our old fuddy-duddy and our kind of romantic lead kind of standing outside like watching through the windows mm-hmm. and i do love the degree to which you know the, these college kids or whatever have have just really kind of gotten on board this project like she's just like oh we've got to make it look like there's an orgy here because i've got to sell my book and they're like all right, let's completely drop everything else in our lives and throw this fake orgy. And yep. the cop, their their vice squad buddy who lives in the building, which there's no way that, you know, this is like the coolest cop ever. There's th- yeah. This guy is a bad cop, basically. There's no way that this guy is <laughs> all, you know, um, <laughs> on board with these kids but you know there is this uh i mean he just gets his vice squad buddies to come in and do a fake raid just to establish and you know that that this fake story that she wrote that's full of cliches yeah. from this book she read this guy's real, like a, you know? he's, he's like a proto serpico or something like that. <laughs> yeah i know i mean you get a sense that there's a you know like th- th- this was the guy who was the old man hanging out in the commune like three years later you know mm-hmm. by 69 he was completely just doing lsd all the time <laughs> yeah hanging out with hang, hanging out with timothy leary you know dropping acid oh, Jesus. yeah this the sequence is great and margaret in very very skimpy bikini just being rubbed all over this fucking paint uh this this predates tommy with the uh the beans it and pre- the... in fact now i think that tommy i mean the the bean sequence in tommy was probably a reference to this mm-hmm I mean, you've got to think that me. I don't. Yeah, it was hard to know exactly how much memory, like cultural memory, people would have had for you know these kinds of movies. I mean, this was, you know, I mean, it probably made some money. I don't know. Um, I, I assume Ken Russell would have known. Yeah, I mean, you'd this. think you'd think that you know you cast down Margaret, and it would have been something at least in their memory. I mean, they probably wouldn't have remembered it the way that like the the Elvis movies, but. Um, you know, it's definitely, I mean, once you, you could put those two sequences back to back, they're kind of of a piece, you know, yeah. there, there is, a, you know, one is definitely sort of commenting on the other. And it's a phenomenal sequence. I mean, it's very, I mean, 
it's also just gets executed so well. It's got this great color. It's got this great kind of uh, cinematography to it. It's smoky. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like it really is just worth watching. I mean, almost independently by itself. You could just sit and watch this sequence. And, I mean, it works just by itself as a, yeah. as a little mini movie. Yeah. Then you have the uh, strip tease near the end. That's, that's yep. another big sequence. Which is just exquisitely well done because like at this point in the film, she's supposed to not, you know, she's already told the lead that she, that she made it all up. Yeah. And yet he's kind of forcing her to go through this process of, (laughs) you know, reenacting all these scenes anyway, I guess because he doesn't believe her that she was lying or I don't know. Some of the motivations get a little unclear towards the end. Exactly. Who's, playing who at that point also because we're supposed to kind of be they're supposed to kind of be romantically involved by the end so you know we have to kind of think like um maybe he's not lying but maybe he is i don't know and he like abducts her at all i mean anyway there's some really (laughs) we need stuff it's it's basically we need 20 more minutes on this film so let's let's confound the plot a little bit more and make it a little bit more weird (laughs) We we can't just watch Anne Margaret like do a little striptease, but uh, we can because mm-hmm. it's a. I mean, and and again, this is somebody. This is somebody who had a career in musicals. Who it was a very well accomplished director, who knew exactly how to like do the camera and like basically sets up this burlesque. I mean, you could. I mean, I've seen burlesque. You could stage this today, and it's mm-hmm. like this astonishingly good burlesque. I mean, and burlesque as a medium does this thing of sort of the the comedy element to it of oh i'm not actually trying to you know and so her being on stage and doing this i mean it actually works within the context i mean it works as burlesque i mean again it's just amazingly directed it's uh it's not actually all one shot but it's only a handful of shots there are not very many cuts in that sequence the technical skill involved in kind of getting that to work and of course she looks amazing (laughs) mm -hmm. just just her physical skills a dancer is pretty astounding like from the get-go even with the the opening credit sequence where she's doing the song and everything mm-hmm. the, the stuff she's doing in that opening sequence and then all through the film with her dancing and stuff is like wow she must be feeling this now and like yeah. she's like in her late 70s now she must be feeling this because she put her body through a lot of a lot of stuff <laughs> i mean it's hard to i mean it's hard to say but i mean you know Anne margaret probably one of cinema's great dancers if not cinema's great dancer Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm landing on this. So she is both mesmerizing and I mean, just, just the athleticism of it, just like how good she is and how watchable she is. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about dance sequences in movies. I'm just kind of like, I can admire it, you know, but you didn't, you didn't see people who are just that good. I think of like a Danny Kay and scene in the rain. Yeah. And, and, and this is up there with that, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of just sheer, holy shit, I can barely believe the things that I'm watching in some sequences. She's just that good. Yeah, she is. It's amazing. Should we well, talk it's... about the bed? You want to talk about the bed sequence? Well, I mean, there's there's nothing, mel- there's nothing, much, there's nothing much, much to say. Much to say except for instant boner material. Like, it's yep. just basically just capitalizes on how fucking sexy she is. And it's as in it. Then the camera just goes over every inch of her while she's laying back on that bed and breathing. And it's like, okay, yeah, okay, you sold me, movie. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> you like that? You like that skirt with the slit up the side? Mm-hmm. Which uh, I just couldn't help thinking that this is the same year of uh, Raquel Welch in that one million years BC. 
Uh, yeah, but Raquel Welch got nothing on Anne Margaret uh, as far as I'm concerned. something to say when you're talking about Raquel Welch, right? Mm-hmm. Like this yeah. is, but that was the style. Um, no, there is one sequence which is uh, my favorite sequence in the film, uh, and that is the initial. She goes in. It's the um, ruined virgin scene. Oh yeah, uh, this is the one where uh, she comes in. She has picked up some books which she's going to read and then write her book based on uh, all, you know, taking all the hoary cliches from the, uh, from the stroke books. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she, this is, if you watch the sequence with the Dutch angles and the, and there's several like little kind of dance sequences, there are only five shots in this entire sequence. And um, she enters the, like the kind of the main area of this room. And there's like a little dance sequence where I guess they're practicing for some performance yeah. they're going to give. Or you've just walked into a musical because she just lives in a musical. I mean, that's kind of the other, the flip side of this is that she just does this. And I mean, if you watch the way that it's executed where she has to like take off her jacket and she kind of gets rid of the stuff she's holding so that she can then do a little dance sequence, but she's doing it with a book in her hand mm-hmm. and then kind of sashays in and out of the, the other dancers while kind of doing her little bits of business. And, you know, kind of goes in. She, there are two kind of cutaways where she goes into uh, different rooms yeah. and talks to people. And it's just, it's so fluid and it's so dynamic. I literally, like, I watched it and then I went back and watched it again. And then, like, I've watched it. It's on YouTube. If you, again, if you, if you Google the, the, the film, the, I mean, the whole film is on YouTube, so you can't watch the whole film on YouTube. And I would highly recommend people do it. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, but even just that sequence, I hope we have a link to that sequence in the uh, so people can just watch this. This is yeah, I, I one of the one of the best pieces of direction I've seen in a film like ever. The choreography like, in that must have been just man, <laughs> and then yeah. I wonder how many takes they must have went through for that. Uh, I, who knows? I mean, it's got to be the kind of thing where they like rehearsed it and rehearsed it and rehearsed mm-hmm. it, and then you know, kind of got there on the day, and then it's just an amazing little sequence. And I mean, it's flashy in the sense of. It's well directed, and but it's not—it's not kind of doing anything narratively, except just kind of being there just for the hell of it. You know, it's just proving they can do it. It's just about kind of like delivering the style of the of the film, and then you get the shot of Anne Margaret's very sheer leggings and mm-hmm. a very impressive uh, about fifteen second close up. She basically moons the camera. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's little left to the imagination. There's very little left to the imagination, and it's glorious. Mm. And, uh, yeah, if you were not um, – I'm I'm amazed it's in the film. I am frankly astonished they got away with just how – Well, the version of the film you and I saw was actually the cut-down version as well. Oh, apparently was it? Par- apparently there's a longer version that was for the European audiences that was even far more raunchier. Wow. But apparently that's just lost to the ages from what I can uh, well, tell. Well, that is a, 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 a crime of cinema as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. I can't imagine what they would have cut, though. I mean, it's so, I mean, that's, I mean, again, um, that's all one shot. So I, apparently, it, apparently what they cut was mostly, from what I've read, minutes out of the striptease scene for the most part. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Cause those are, that's a little bit more cut. That's a little bit more cut apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you say? It's well, like, wow. Say, this is, if you, if you don't love Anne Margaret and you think you might, uh, this is, Check it out. You this will. Is, this is the test. Her after this, then you're just not going to, and it's fine. But yeah. like, she's amazing. The film is a lot of fun. There's some problematic stuff in it, but I had a grin. Like again, 
it's so silly. Like, I mean, if this movie took itself seriously to any degree, then you could start like going, Oh my God, this is, this is a really terrible, he sexist, shitty movie right, in right, a lot yeah. of ways, but it's like, it's so dumb that it's like, you, you right. take it in stride. Well, it's so lighthearted about it. And so, I mean, it, it's a, I mean, I hate to use the product of its time defense, but it is a product of its time. Mm-hmm. You know? And Margaret, apparently in her autobiography says, uh, the swinger was intended to be a send up of the psychedelic sixties. She also uh, noted it proved to be uh, some of the most fun I'd had on a movie set in a long time, which you can just basically see in her performance. Even when I was uh, reprimanded again by the studio execs for riding my motorcycle on the lot. Um, <laughs> so apparently she was she was big into the, doing that stuff. So basically she is her character in the film. Yeah, you know, a certain yeah. degree, yeah. Um there there's and and it comes through. You get you get there's such a sense of personality there. There's such mm-hmm. a sense of fun, you know. Well, this this is essentially like Anne Margaret is really cute the movie and it's like you know, and really sexy the movie and yeah. really awesome the movie. A little other piece of trivia here. Uh, although the production wrapped up in late 1965, a campy pop art prologue epilogue, comic book style words like pow, wham, etc. superimposed over Anne Margaret as she swung across the screen on a swing, echoing Bye Bye Birdie, was actually done basically in response to Batman, which was doing that stuff on TV around yeah, that yeah. time. No, that yeah, yeah. I mean, that, Batman started, I mean, the, I think the Batman film was 66, so yeah, no, it's... Again, another it's it's of that very particular pop culture moment, right? Mm-hmm. I have the box office for this as far as rentals goes, which was seven hundred thousand dollars. But apparently, this movie did not do very well. Um, mm. it, it, it actually like George Sidney only made one movie after this. Apparently, his career kind of tanked a little bit after this, and this actually kind of damaged apparently. Uh, and Margaret's uh, bankability as a box office star for quite a while. Actually, until she got to carnal knowledge, apparently she sort of regained a lot of uh, sort of... <laughs> and that's the one where she does some nudity, so, you know. Yeah, so there you go. I, I could not find should, a budget. Should we, should we explain rentals for the audience here? <laughs> you used to have stores. No, no, th- th- that's not what this means. This is, this is, these are, so before the early 80s, films were not tracked by like number of tickets sold that's not how the studios tracked their box office rentals in this case references the like the rental of the film canisters by the theater chains so the theater chains would like rent and they had different plans so oh it's a six-week rental or two-week rental or a six-month or whatever and so the you know seven hundred thousand dollars in rentals is how much they got for renting the the film and then they could play the film all they wanted to and so that's where you get, they could just, you know, they do like all night theater runs where they just run it continually and people just kind of come in and come out because they're not tracking like how much any individual person that you can't really track individual tickets until like computerization comes in the early years. Right. So I, I, I did not get a budget for this. I couldn't find it anywhere, but I did find a little excerpt from, I guess, basically the autobiography of Edith Hid who, you know, Mm -hmm. famous costume designer, did the costumes for this film. Oh, and the costumes are fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, we've talked about some of them, but they're they're all amazing. Anyway, continue. Uh, But the costume and jewelry budget combined was over (laughs) $250,000. I believe it. So that kind of gives you the idea idea that this film probably was pretty excessive with its budget. and, And considering the reviews and stuff that I've seen of it, 
probably did not do too well. And it, yeah. like it, it, it legit did sink Anne Margaret's career for a little while. So I, I think, I think it's also kind of one of those things where, I mean, you got to think that like now we can kind of see it and kind of enjoy it for what it is as a product of its, of that moment and sort of mm-hmm. enjoy. And, you know, we, we've taken it out of that context, but I think at that point, there's also that sense of, I mean, child stars and kind of teenage stars kind of have this problem, right. Of, you know, you go from doing this sort of family friendly, you know, kind of Elvis stuff. Yeah. And then you want to graduate to the adult stuff. And then there's that kind of awkward period. And this definitely seems to fit into that mold. Like once you kind of see it in between, you know, Elvis and like <laughs> doing nudity on screen, mm-hmm. you have like this thing, which doesn't do either. And so it neither is sort of, it's too risque for kind of the kids who might go and see, and Margaret, but it's not like sort of raunchy enough or not even raunchy, but it's not kind of adult enough. It's too silly to really kind yeah. of the, um, the adult audience. Um, to Anne Margaret's credit. And I, I've been like watching a lot more of her stuff and just sort of researching her career. She is amazingly fucking hot. Like she, she hits every fucking buzzer for me personally. Wow. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, and, I mean, I'm not even into, uh, you know, we, we, we have different like kind of the, uh, Peccadillos in our in our you know desires, but I mean, just her personality. I mean, yeah. you know, no, uh, it, just, just you know, it, it, hits everything. Everybody. Everything about her is just yeah. really sexy. Like she just oozes sex right off the fucking screen. Yeah. And but at the same time, there's that uh, quality of she never really went that hardcore risque, even when in the sort of roles where she. Sh- showed more skin like mm-hmm. even her nudity for the most part has been like really brief yeah you know and not necessarily like full frontal and all that stuff like she right. she was still very well, cautious of that she's story. a star and not you know someone kind of doing the <laughs> she's not you know she she's not someone who's kind of known for nudity she's someone who's known for being sexy and that's something yeah. that you know there's stars a... definitely stars play that game you know yeah um, and there's there's that tease factor with her where it's just yeah. like you see these old movies like this and rebus and stuff like that and you go oh wow <laughs> wow right. yeah so uh you know kudos to ann margaret she uh she did it the way she I, wanted to put i get a feeling that if this film like if basic cable had existed in 1966 this would be the kind of thing that would play on basic cable forever you know yeah this would have been like one of those where they got it cheap and the and people would have discovered it you know like that way yeah maybe uh, played like late night you know like kind of the late night movie or whatever for yeah. you know, and, big markets but uh but but as it, as it stands there is no dvd info for this if you want a dvd of this um you either have to uh, take the file yourself from a torrent or rare lust and burn your own dvd or there are a couple dvd on demand black market places where you can get it but otherwise it's one of those lost movies yeah well uh definitely worth a watch get it from rare lust it is on youtube um mm-hmm. the youtube version looks pretty good that's the version i uh i watched it I, I have both, but I, I watch the version on YouTube because I can get the other one to play on my computer or my TV for complicated technical reasons that nobody cares about. But uh, <laughs> the version on YouTube looks pretty fucking good for what's probably not the best print to start with. But, you know, check it out. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back to talk about screwballs. Baby, you rough it. 
Screwballs from 1983. At TNA High, the student bodies got a lot more bounce to the ounce. Thank you, miss. And the screwballs only have one thing on their minds. Whipped cream, big boy. <laughs> I think you've needed this kind of private lesson for a long time. What were you doing in the girls' restrooms? Uh, field trip? That's Purity Bush. The last holdout at TNA High. You know I always have a headache. It's the pussy factor. <laughs> if you're looking for something different, but can't quite put your finger on it, it's Screwballs! Ah! Nice shot. My love, my Junior? Yes, everyone's trying to hide the salami in screwballs. Where homework takes on a whole new meaning. Oh my god, a TNA orgy. <laughs> screwballs, 
the nuts who always score. It's not a dirty movie, really. Trust me. This picture is disgusting. <laughs> Directed by Rafal Zelinsky, who we'll talk about uh, sort of became the king of Canadian sex comedies for a while. Uh, Written by Linda Shane and Jim Wernarski, who we'll also be talking about quite a bit in this. Starring Peter Kelligan as Rick McKay, Kent Duders as Brent Van Dusen III, Linda Special as Purity Bush. (laughs) What a name. Uh, (laughs) Ellen, Ellen Defoe as Howie Bates. Again, what a name. And and it just continues with that joke. Linda Shane, uh, the writer, Linda Shane, also starring in this as Bootsy Goodhead, Jason Warren. uh, Is is Bootsy Goodhead, is she the waitress? Yeah, she's the blonde. She's the the, blonde, okay. She's the aggressive, she's the sexually aggressive blonde, yes. Um, She's the hot one, in other words. (laughs) Yeah. Jason Warren here rivaling McDorfus from our previous episode with the name Melvin Jerkowski. <laughs> it wouldn't be a Wynorski film if you don't have names like Melvin Jerkowski. Yeah. <laughs> James uh, Coburn as Tim Stevenson, not James Coburn. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's James Coburn. Uh, yeah, different, different person. Tara Smith as Rhonda Rocket. Uh, Donnie Bowes as Principal Stuckoff, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Kimberly Brooks as Miss Boudoir, <laughs> and Raven Delacroix as Miss Anatomical. Oh, well. Wow. Kind of a big fucking star to get for one of these, but we'll talk about why she's on this film as well. Plot for this five male friends. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> for this, you know. I know. I, know. I mean, I love, I, again, you said, you know, plotless for um, for the last film. And uh, I was like, yeah, 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 sure. Even even less here. Even less here. But not to its detriment. Uh, Five male friends at Taft and Adams High School. TNA High. uh, (laughs) Try to see the bare breasts of Purity Bush, the most beautiful girl in school. And that's actually not doing the plot justice. Because at the very least, it's the reason they have to do this, even though it's still creepy and scummy. It's because Purity Bush treated all these guys like shit and right. uh, it got them all into detention. So there's a little yeah, bit just, more. Just just imagine, remember Revenge of the Nerds when they got back at the girls by putting cameras in the, uh, in, the in doing the panty raid. Yeah. That idea, but stretched out to uh, 80 minutes. That's yeah. what, that's what, that's the plot of this film. That's what it is. <laughs> Uh, However but, you want to feel about that, you know? Yeah. And yet it comes across as less exploitative and rapey than Revenge of the Nerds did. So, you know, we'll give it that. I mean, it's not that it's not rapey, but it's so fucking juvenile. Uh, before I mean, I, that's not a criticism. That's, no, I, but I, it I'd, is. Say, I'd say I go before before I get to your thoughts, I'd just say it, it's definitely not as cringy as Revenge of the Nerds is in modern context no, these days. No, no. But uh, yeah, it doesn't make make plot points about rape and you know Mm -hmm. like that's you know because Revenge of the Nerds is at least attempting as some kind of I don't want to say like realism but some level of I mean there's a story to Revenge of the Nerds and so you can kind of feel like well yeah you in the heads of like the characters whereas this really is this is I feel comic book this is stroke book and I mean that Mm -hmm. and it's you know it's literally like when you're 12 and you have like (laughs) your fantasies about oh when I get to high school. It'll be TNA high, and yeah. you know we'll go in and I'll dress up in these 
outrageous costumes and they're like the girls look let me touch their boobs yeah and that's just what they do i mean it's so 12 year old fantasy of like this what is, like, this is jim ornarski's like, you know this, this is jim ornarski's life this is his fantasy yeah, yeah. life put this on is, this is just this is just this is just you know i mean i know i get critical of some of these things but it's also the sort of thing like once you just sort of accept this is porn mm-hmm. you know, then you know, it can still be problematic, but at least it's it's playing to this like fantasy as opposed to sort of playing as anything that's remotely resembling reality. Right. This works on that level. It works very well on that level. It is deeply, deeply stupid and <laughs> yep. very juvenile. In the last episode in Joysticks, I was talking about the uh, lifting of the leg in order for McDorfus to do his farts. You know, uh, this entire film plays like those moments this, but this, you know this, stretch this, to ignorance you know this movie is that fart basically <laughs> yeah it's that fart and then a bunch of tits and that's what that's yeah. what this film um although you know you kind of sold this to me is like no, no no this delivers on there are tons of boobs in this and i'm kind of like man there are not there are not so many boobs as to feel like this is just wall-to-wall tits man like, uh, i mean you know i mean it's got a lot of tits but you know it's not i mean it's also kind of like you know um, I was also kind of going on the busty cops, like well, you know, oh, okay, tits. if you're if you're going with busty cops or anything that Jim Wernarski's doing these days, which is right. like literally wall to wall tits, which is straight up softcore, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it doesn't compare. But I mean, if you put this up against the majority of sex comedies yeah. in this era. Yeah, this is probably one of the most tit-filled, like raunchiest of. Oh yeah, yeah. it's it's very movie. raunchy, and it's got a it's got a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff in it, but it is not like literally wall-to-wall tits. And in that sense, I was disappointed. No, it's oh, fine. well, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I could use more tits as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I would welcome them because again, this movie has no plot, so yeah, it's, the, it's basically why not pour in? It's goofy humor. And, uh, you know, you're either going to be kind of be on board with the, the way the humor works or you're not, you know, about one joke in four works for me, you know, for the most part, I'm kind of groaning at it. That's a Uh, a good comedy ratio though, honestly. (laughs) And, uh, it's got a bunch of nudity and it's, uh, you know, it, it works exactly on that level. So when was the first time you saw this? I saw this a few years ago. Um, this this was one of those sort of kind of legendary ones mm-hmm. where where it's, and I I think rightly so because this this has sort of a a place as far as like sex, sex comedies go, uh, especially Canadian made ones where this is kind of like sort of progenitor to how Canadian sex comedies went for the next decade and a half or so. Like yeah. th- th- this movie kind of really set a precedent, and you know that I mean it's just a stupid comedy of tits and fart and dick jokes and stuff like that. So I don't want to say set a precedent in a way that's, Oh, Godard influenced all these movies. It's like, you know, no, it's not that, but well, but it has that same like high level of artificiality, which we talked about. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I was thinking about as I was kind of, I mean, in doing these kind of back to back was kind of an interesting experience because I was the swinger definitely like plays up. Yes. This is kind of a musical and we're going to kind of do this. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you know, we're in this kind of artificial movie universe, and that's part of what makes it work as a, as a film is that we're not supposed to take this remotely literally. 
yeah. Screwballs is pushed even further in that direction on a much smaller budget and lower production values, and it doesn't have Anne Margaret, which automatically like knocks it down on like a notch or two in comparison. But it's yeah. also in this kind of completely unreal fantasy world that's like calling attention. You can't do be like you know it's TNA High School and not go okay this is this is the world we're in. Yeah, wow. it, it's 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 a dumb parody, and the the sort of background behind this is it was produced by Corman's New World Pictures. Uh, Mm-hmm. Corman himself does not have a production credit on this, uh, but his company does. Uh, Jim Wynarski and Linda Shane were basically pitched by Corman. Uh, and people say, okay, this is a ripoff of Porky's. It is in a sense that Porky's had not been released yet when they were film when they were basically mm-hmm. constructing this. Porky's was in test screen- screenings. Yeah. And so there was some little feelers here and there coming up to Corman that basically, hey, Porky's is doing really good in these test screenings. And Corman's like, well, we have to make one of these movies really quick because it's going to do really well. It's going to be a big hit and we'll get a big return on it. So he gets Linda Shane. He gets uh, Jim Wynarski, who were both working under him at this point. And he's like, so write a movie, construct it for me and, you know, pitch it to me and we'll see if we can make this. And so they did. They wrote this movie over the course of a couple weeks which, you know, <laughs> that's kind of surprising. Um, but they pitched it to him and, and he was but like, where okay. are we going to get the giant inflatable hot dog? That was, that was, that was, that was probably a, uh, you know, I imagine a note card, inflatable hot dog, and then just move it around in various places. Yeah. You know? So, so they pitched it to him and Corman was excited about it. He's like, okay, let's start making this movie. And so Linda Shane and Jim Wynorski are like, great, we're going to get full funding. We're going to make this movie. It's going to be awesome. But then Corman came back and was like, okay, we're moving in a different direction because E.T. just came out and sci-fi is really big. So here's my new deal for you guys. I'll give you half the budget and you have to come up with the other half the budget. If you can match me, then we'll make this movie and release it. So they somehow managed to do that, mostly from the Canadian government, because although this is not technically a Canadian tax shelter film, because this Mm -hmm. was kind of late era for that. It was still funded by basically the Canadian tax grants or whatever, where the government would actually invest in a movie. They'd get the return and a little bit more. And so you could, you know, you can make your movie basically for, you know, half the budget or whatever. And so they did. And Corman liked it. And he's like, okay, this is going to make a lot of money based on the test screenings. It's going to make a lot of money. And it got made. And this movie essentially sort of spearheaded a series of films, and most of them actually uh, directed by Rafal Zelinsky, who became essentially the king of sort of Canadian sex comedies from this. Uh, the title, Screwballs, obviously, they originally sort of ripped it for meatballs, right? So, like, right. It's, it's obvious connection there. But this is really the sort of the progenitor of the balls films, because a ton of films came off of this including the two sequels, Loose Screws or Screwballs 2, mm-hmm. um, Screwball Hotel, which is Loose Screws 3. But then they had Rafal Zelinsky also directed like Recruits, State Park, uh, which is also known as Heavy Metal Summer. Ginger uh, Ale Afternoon. <laughs> yeah, he, he directed a lot of sex comedies. He branched off into other stuff, but he mostly did the sex comedies. And then there was all these other films that had balls in the in the title. Uh, Oddballs, Fireballs, Goofballs, all, all these sort of movies were made, uh, you know, sort of adjacent to this film. 
And it basically kind of spearheaded the sort of, uh, I don't want to say renaissance, but kind of the renaissance <laughs> period of Canadian sex bombing. Hey, Canadian the, the, you know, the renaissance period of Canadian uh, sex comedies is the kind of content you can only get on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I like this a lot. I think it's just so stupid, but it's so kind of funny. And, yeah. and honestly, there's a lot more thought behind this than this movie deserves. It's a series of set pieces. It's a series mm-hmm. of set pieces to see a girl naked. And, yeah. and along so the there, way... There are five guys who are all trying to get this girl to, just to mm-hmm. take her top off. Yeah. And basically, it's, you just follow the five different attempts that these guys make to get her, the girl to take her top off. Yeah. That's the whole thing. And look, these guys live in a world where they have no problem seeing boobs. Every girl that, in this high school takes it, takes her, like, will take her top off, like yeah. at the slightest provocation. That's that, the, that's the reality this movie's in. And this is the one girl that won't. What does this say about, you know, toxic patriarchal culture? Yeah. <laughs> the one girl who's like, no, I won't take my top off. Now we've got to make a whole movie around the fact that this girl, and then once he takes her top off, once the top is gone by hook or by crook, literally the movie's <laughs> over. Yeah. That's literally the end of the movie. I know it, it, it's, it's so fucking ridiculous. Cause these guys, even though the, mo- the majority of them are sort of geeks and outcasts, mm-hmm. all the girls in the fucking school like them. They're, they're willing to get naked around them at any yeah. mo- given moment, have sex with them. You, you gotta think how many of these like, little fake things they do, like you dress us up in like the doctor's oh, they outfit. Know. And it's, like, it's like, oh, I just need to see your boobs. And like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they oh, all, they all doctor, know. You know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're all completely aware of what's I going mean, on. I there. mean, one of them has the hot science teacher wanting to fuck him for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and the rest of them are all, you know, they, they sort of pretend, oh, I'm so I'm so put off by you doing this prank to get me naked, but in the end, they're like they enjoy it because they they want to have sex with all these guys, and all these guys are obsessed with Purity Bush. And it's dude, just just drop her because you've got legit eight or ten really hot cheerleaders who want to fuck you all the time. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> cool, Linda Shane is the uh, is the best of the is the best mm-hmm. of them all. As far as I'm concerned, that's a uh, you know that's the one uh, you know actress with uh you know personality in the film yeah, you know no, she, she's she had her own like had a little arc and you know, oh wait she she wrote the thing so you know she actually has like a little you know yeah, and, and there's and actually like a little ro- romance you kind of get the sense of these two actually seem to have the slightest bit of chemistry which is a nice addition to a film like this yeah know? and and most people know linda shane uh from a previous corman produced film uh humanoids from the deep she's the uh she's the miss uh salmon pageant the the queen of the pageant who who actually ends up killing one of the humanoids from the deep in the in the final scene because she's she's actually kind of badass in that film she's she's uh, she's she's quite good here i mean i'm i'm i mean and so i'm i'm i would actually be interested in seeing another linda shane film so we should yeah. put it on the list but but yeah she's really good and actually she uh has a writing credit on the sequel as well loose screws which is yeah. super rapey compared to this film by the way <laughs> Uh, uh, we went we went good natured 12 year old now let's uh let's do some rape we haven't yeah. we haven't done enough rape yet you know yeah and uh most people know jim warnorski he went on to become basically the sleazier corman uh, of yeah. the last 30 years uh just just a note on why uh, raven delacroix is in this film is because 
he was actually dating her at the time. And, you know, good for you. <laughs> Fucking good for you. <laughs> Nicely done, Jim Wynarski. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there, there's not there's not a lot to say about this. Yeah, film. I mean, I love the uh, one of my one of my favorite little moments in the film, um, other than the. Uh, well, I mean, there's there's a there's actually quite a bit of like little moments that are that are fun. The zombie sequence where, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the nerdy guy like he. Has this insane plan to like get the girl into the like into the pool, and then he puts the hot dog and he sets it up in this way that it's going to belch out this smoke that's like hypnotizing or something. Anyway, and <laughs> yeah, then all the to... other girls walk into the to to where the pool is, and then suddenly they all like realize what's going on. They're not yeah. hypnotized. They think it's ridiculous because it is. And the, and it's like moments like that that kind of sell it as, oh, no, this is actually, like, there's a little bit more going on than just, you know. Yeah, I like uh, it. Not though. much more, but there's a little bit more. And then uh, they all, like, act like they're hypnotized by him when he comes out and then, mm-hmm. you know, give him a taste of his own medicine, which is uh, which is a lot of fun. I mean, it's a really neat little moment. You know? Yeah. Uh, another, I really would like to see what's the uh, wild world of Mongo. Oh, oh, Wild Women of Wango. That's wow, actually damn. that. That's actually one of the uh, anachronisms of this film because it's supposed to be set in like the 1950s ish. You know, mm-hmm. going with the the Porky's theme. But you notice there's a, like a lot of just modern stuff that pops up in this film. That film is a 1970s Corman film called The Arena. That's what, ah, okay. Because it, it, it is a film called Wild Women of Wango. Yeah, it's from 58. So that's not the. Uh... Yeah, I was thinking it looked 70s. It did not look 50s. I just yeah. watched it up. You know? if, you, if you watch that, Pam Greer actually shows up in the clips. I thought show. that looks like Pam yeah. Greer, and I'm like, oh, man, that you know that looks a whole lot fucking like Pam Greer. It's got to be Pam Greer. And then yeah. I look it up, and I'm like, no. So you can see the level of research I did for this, but yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, if if you can sort of recognize Canadian locations, this was all shot in Ontario, even though it's supposed to be set in the U.S. Apparently, there's there's a version of this film somewhere where Purity Bush at the end sings the Canadian national anthem instead of the United States national anthem, which is really weird considering the crowd are all flying little miniature American flags and stuff. And I don't think they probably cut around that. I don't think they bothered to. So that would be really weird to see. <laughs> like they, they shoot it once where they're waving little American yeah. flags. And they, they don't even have Canadian flags. They just put little maple leaves on the American flags. <laughs> and then, you know, okay, now wave them, now wave them again. And then that's the... <laughs> That's the book we had. Um, I, I do like the soundtrack. Apparently the, 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 the soundtrack from this is just some obscure rockabilly guy who only had one album in the 80s mm-hmm. uh johnny d fury i think it is and he's just kind of like a stray cats ripoff yep so like a 1980s version of rockabilly but it works really well i wish i could have found the actual like screwball steam song which is noticeably different because i, I really like that too but i couldn't find like a clear version of that I, I love this a lot. It's just so <laughs> dumb, and, and but but there's so many cool things in it, and like it it does have a solid place in Canadian B movie history. Like it it really is kind of one of the films that really solidified the sort of B movie industry in Canada for a long time, and produced a lot of movies uh, in this sort of namesake. You kind of can't hate a film that has uh, strip bowling in it. I mean, it's just. That's a great sequence concept that, uh, well, I mean, once you, you know, that is the, that is the addition to cinema history that this film is strip bowling, you know, which I can only assume was like a minor 
rave in uh like a subculture in Canada. Oh man, like if you've only seen all the strip bowling, bowling parties I've been to, it's just in, crazy. In yeah. I kind of imagine like watching this film where everything is where it's I mean it's obviously made in the eighties and every, that's kind of what I imagine Canada looks like now. Like you know, <laughs> Canada just hasn't changed in the last thirty five years and it's just so it just sort of all looks, you know, that everybody still wears their hair like that and you mm-hmm. know like, We you we know. got a lot of bowling alleys and a lot yeah. of girls who like to take the bras off. Well yeah. apparently I need to get to I need to get to Canada. <laughs> so, apparently O Ontario is the uh yeah. is the way to is the way to go, you know. But no that that is a great sequence and I mean that kind of solidifies the whole sort of <laughs> the, the thing that undoes the whole narrative of the film where it's like, yeah, these girls are really into these dudes and they, they could forget purity Bush and just continuously yeah, fuck these women. It's it's not even, it's well, there's one dude literally like making out with three girls at the drive, at the drive. Yeah. Like he's like, they're just, they're all dating him apparently. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, I've got, I mean, that's fine. Like, you know, sounds, sounds oh, good. I, you know? I, I, and I love like, there's little aside jokes, especially the one in the uh, drive in there. Um, they, they moved to, a car of two couples in it. The the two girls are sort of sitting close together and their boyfriends are on either side. And it's like, don't look now, but I think your brother's masturbating. He's like, well, tell him to stop. I can't. He's using my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also, again, th- this movie has something that we had in joysticks. It has the uh, neglected wife who is a, a yes. super horn dog because they, they, they try to get up to Purity Bush's place to, to screw her. And the guy ends up in the mother's uh, bedroom, and she's a sex kitten uh, with that's, cat that's noises. Always, that's always the way. Yeah, no, I mean the cat. I mean that was fetishy as fuck. I mean, especially when you know she's like, "Oh, come on, we haven't done it in two weeks. We got to do it. Uh, come on, I want to. I want you to fuck me already." And then she's like, "What if I? What if I meow like a cat?" And he's like, okay. He was not. He wasn't. He wasn't going to do it at all. And then once it's like, "What if I meow like a cat?" He's like. All right, did, I can. All right. Did you I'm, did you catch did you catch the uh, the the joke there where the the husband's name is uh, Wally, and she's like Wally. Oh, I'm really worried about the beaver. I'm worried about the beaver. Yeah, no. <laughs> I I got. I mean, yes, I got. It is. There's nothing subtle about that joke, but it definitely mm-hmm. is one of those where, you know what, you know what movie I'm going to give you this one. Yeah. That's it. That's a. <laughs> it was such a it was such an obvious gag that I'm really happy you went for it. Because otherwise, I would have been disappointed in your movie. Oh. Yeah, um, yeah. No, this. If you guys are looking for like the raunchy progenitor of Canadian sex comedies, like if you're into those movies, this is a movie you need to see. Because this, yeah, is no, like... it's 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 worth a watch. It's painless. It's mm-hmm. it's got some boobs in it. Um, it's got some. It's got this uh, like Spanish fly sequence with uh, <laughs> you know this kind of big dance number, and you got three cheerleaders with a. Uh, you know, panties around their ankles, which mm-hmm. you know, was raunchier than I was expecting a film like this to go. Uh, you do get to meet our a, a porn store proprietor and yep. uh, a character I wish we'd seen more of. Frankly, I'm like, I just want to follow <laughs> this guy around. I yeah. mean, he seems like a much more interesting person than the other people in the film. <laughs> Also, uh, if you are uh, Linda Special, I don't know if you've looked up what else she's done. She did do a couple of other things. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing that um, listeners might actually know. Uh, she is in the pilot to Breaking Bad. Yeah. She, uh, she is the neighbor that Jesse Pinkman is fucking yep. before when uh, when Walton. Uh, she's the uh, MILF that he's banging and you get yep. a little nude scene from her there. Yep. Um, I, I've heard reports that her nude scene in Screwballs is actually a body double, which would 
there's just credence linked to that because you never see her face with her tits except for one shot where I believe I was listening to the commentary a while back and Jim Wardarski, I think he confirms that that's like um, basically a fake boob cast around her or whatever. You know, and I'm not Mr. Skin, so uh, don't don't take us like, oh, too bad and then Lord and shit like that. But yeah, no, she and she she didn't really have a lot of acting roles after this. Like she did uh, most memorably uh, before Breaking Bad. She had a uh, brief part as a hooker in uh, Degrassi Junior High, which is yeah, no, Canadian. that's it. She did yeah. she, she did Degrassi. She did this and she did and that's that's her, that's her, those are her three credits. And it's like, yeah. I mean, she's not bad. I mean, you know, no, as, as an she's, actress, I mean, you know, she's she's actually. I mean, by the standards of this movie, she's you know she's in the she's pretty top notch. She's, she's not as good as Linda Shane. Linda Shane is phenomenal. No, Linda Shane is is the the primary female actress in this. But yeah. this movie gets all the best angles of Linda Speciel, yeah. like from from the get go where she's walking to school. The the movie's like, look at that tight sweater. Um, yeah, and that works for me too. It's like nineteen fifties tight sweater. Yeah, you know, n- nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with that. You know? And I, I like, I like oh, how good, she's the uh, the pure good girl, yeah. uh, but she likes to fuck her giant stuffed bear at night. <laughs> well, you know, you, the thing is, you know, you, you you know, when you're that pure, when you're that chaste, you you know, when you when you're falling asleep at night, you gotta you gotta have something to to get you to go to sleep and that's yeah. oh, oh teddy not now don't don't you want to go to dinner first and it's like <laughs> i love it i love that i in um when she's like praying and she's kind of doing the like good girl act i had a uh moment of thinking of like mandy moore and saved you know oh, yeah. that, that, that kind of performative you know kind of christianity and i i really think there's there's a depth to her i really think that this character i i kind of want to see I want to see the remake of this that's like more focused on her and like her, you know, and then well, yeah, like she's... 20 guys who are trying to see her boobs where she's like, I know exactly what you're doing. And I go to TNA high mm-hmm. so that I can be the girl who doesn't show her boobs at TNA high. And, you know, yeah, yeah. she's almost from another universe. Like she, yeah. she fell into TNA high where every other girl shows her tits all the time. What the fuck's wrong <laughs> with you? And she knows it. And she's, She's basically just playing all these suckers. Maybe, like, maybe she transferred from BS. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that, that no, I think I think I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, uh, budget for this was eight hundred thousand, and it brought back two million. So it yeah. did really well. And I mean, you know, four hundred thousand uh, dollar investment from Roger Corman. He was super fucking happy to get back two million. <laughs> it was well, yeah, yeah. DVD info for this, Severin Films came out in 2009 with a really excellent DVD and Blu-ray release, which is the definitive for this film. There's way more extras than this film deserves, and (laughs) it's got interviews with Jim Wardorski and Linda Shane, which are really good. It's got interviews from the director. It's got a commentary from the director, and it's got deleted scenes as well, only seen on the VHS version that was shown in Spain. And there's a little bit of extra sexiness in some of the deleted scenes, and then there's just some crap that it was rightly cut from the film. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. That's usually, that's usually that's the way those things go, right? Yeah, and then there's a bunch of crap, you know. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, we're we're not quite sure what we're going to be doing uh, next episode yet. Daniel we haven't and I will, discussed it at all. We'll figure it out here. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll figure it out in a couple minutes we'll here. Get, but we'll get something for you. Mm-hmm. But uh, Daniel, tell people where they can find you. Uh, best place to find me, you can go on Twitter, find me there. I'm at Daniel Lee Harper. 
lots of weird stuff goes on there. I do have some other podcasts, mostly uh, the Wrong With Authority podcast is the one that I'm kind of doing most often. It is a wrongwithauthority.blogspot.com. Uh, I think wrongwithauthority.libsyn.com. There'll be a link in the bottom, and that is a podcast about movies about history and the history they're about. We are recording a new episode about Anonymous, and that is the 2011 Roland Emmerich film about how Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare's plays. And we put this off like three times because I think nobody really wants to record it. But we are going to we are gonna try to record it. <laughs> if that doesn't make you want to check it out, this is the podcast no one in this podcast wanted to do. I, I, th- I, think, we've, I think we've mostly been like, this is going to be fun to talk about, but nobody really wants to watch the movie, I think is really the <laughs> issue. <laughs> Oh, nice. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Check that out. Yeah, and you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. I'm a little drunk. Don't get it wrong. You, you, if you go to the wrong website, you won't find us. Um, we have our uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Facebook links there. And again, join our Facebook group. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook. Best way to get in touch with us and find out what's coming up in the podcast and what's going on. And yeah, until next week, we'll we'll figure out something. I think we're going to continue this trend of something from like the '60s and '70s, and something super raunchy from the '80s, which will be will be fun. And until then, Daniel, thank you again for joining me, and thank you all for listening. And goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For more episodes, links to our Apple Podcast site, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as other websites and podcasts of similar interest, please visit us at tmbtos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. Feel 